So when Jesus um, looked into the, the future and he predicted what would happen to the disciples, he, he prophetically knew what would happen, he said something in the scripture that was very sobering. And I want to start with that. It's in Luke 21, 12 through 13. He said, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and the prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. And this will be a time for you to bear testimony. And so the sobering part of the scripture, the serious part of the scripture, is that Jesus was telling them, by being my disciple, you will be persecuted. By being my disciple, they will take you to prison. They will, kings and governors will call you to account for what you believe, and you will have difficult conversations. You will have difficult moments. You might even be thrown in jail. You might even be persecuted. Jesus is telling the disciples that this is going to happen to them. And I feel that this reminds us, thank God, and we just celebrated Independence Day and the freedom that we have to, to celebrate, to, to have our own religion, the freedom of religion. In this country right now, we don't go to jail for worshiping. But in some countries, they do. But I feel that this reminds us, as followers of Jesus, we may not go to jail right now in 2017, but it is not supposed to be easy all the time. In fact, if it's easy all the time, you might want to double check if you're living out the call that God has placed on your life. Because the scripture says prophetically, it's not going to be easy all the time. When you confess that Jesus is Lord of your life and center of your family, you will get some criticism. You might get a lot of criticism. You will get treated unfairly because of your faith. You will look like a fool at times. People will probably make fun of you. They might roll their eyes at you. They will probably lump you into all the believers that, that they know, whatever stereotype that is. So if a Christian that they met before is judgmental, when you say you're a Christian, they're automatically going to assume you're judgmental. You might get called names. You might get called names on social media. People are a little more brave. Every little mistake you make will be magnified after you declare outwardly your commitment to follow Christ, people will expect perfection, and when you aren't perfect, they will call you a hypocrite. Your life will become a statement. What you choose to do and not do will impose on what others believe. And sometimes without saying or doing anything at all, others will feel uncomfortable and generally upset with you just because your right decisions have exposed their wrong ones. Jesus is saying in Luke 21 the same thing that he said to his disciples. He says, buckle up. I can't say I haven't warned you. You'll be tested. You'll be tried. You'll be persecuted for my name. This will happen. So welcome to church today. I'm a bundle of good news, aren't I? <laughs> but the gem in the scripture and the hope that Jesus always offers comes at the end in verse 13. And this is what it says. This will be a time 
for you to bear testimony. That God intends that these persecutions and these imprisonments to be an opportunity for the truth of the gospel. He says that in all of this mess, in all of this frustration, it will be a time to bear testimony. A time where God will redeem the dark situation and give them a chance to to deliver the hope that Jesus offers. That in those moments, there will become a a place and a time where you will be able to share the hope that Jesus Christ gives to you. Maybe you're totally messed up and you blow it completely. That will be a moment that God says, tell them about my grace. How I'm not out of the game yet. Because Jesus forgives me and he died on a cross for me. And that no matter what happens, he knew and he loves me. And as we sang today, he loves me and I don't have time to maintain my regrets because he loves me so much. That God will create in those persecutions and criticisms moments where you will be able to bear testimony. In other words, imprisonment might interrupt your evangelistical plan, but it will not interrupt God's plans. Because who can stop the Lord Almighty? The answer is no one, in case you don't know. No one. Not one thing. And when you face persecution of any kind, when you have a financial struggle, when your husband walks out on you, when you wrestle with an addiction, when your child turns from the faith that you taught and invested in him or her, when this happens, I believe we have two options. We can quit. We can close up shop, drop out blend in, make any excuse that we can. We can decide to never open our mouths again, to to never tell anyone that we're Christians, just just do it quietly so that we don't get any flack for it. We can determine that our struggle disqualifies us from sharing the hope of the gospel, that certainly God couldn't use me because I mess up all the time, so I won't say anything. I don't want to be called a hypocrite, so I won't say anything about the grace of God. We can live our lives quietly as followers of Jesus. You could scrape the bumper sticker off your car and you can run away from the call that God has on your life. Or you can hang on to this truth that Christ said for dear life and you can allow your struggle to become a moment for you to give testimony of the God that you choose to serve. So what will you do? What have you done? What will you choose? Will you let your struggle tell God's story? I feel that he asks us that almost every day. Will you let your struggle tell my story? Will you let your struggle tell my story? The other day, Uh, My girls, I have three little girls, Uh, they're nine, four, and two, and they found a caterpillar on the playground, and uh, it was one of those fuzzy ones, which is really exciting, and they were trying to trap it, because that's what kids do, and I was listening um, as my nine-year-old, Cecily, was explaining to the other two about uh, what would happen to the caterpillar, and how it started as an egg, An egg, they explained. I'm sure imagining like big chicken eggs, you know, that you crack and eat. 
Uh, then it turned in, it, she said, it turns into a caterpillar, and, but it's not going to stay this way because soon it would wrap itself up in a chrysalis, which I was pretty impressed by that word chrysalis. Because when the chrysalis breaks open, glitter flies out, <laughs> and then the butterfly opens up and flies away. And the girls were like, wow. She may not have gotten her science exactly right, but I was pretty impressed. I mean, that was pretty good. My two-year-old and four-year-old were pretty excited. And I began to think about that life cycle. I have a picture here, minus the glitter. They could have added that. And how each stage was significant, but God never intended for that creature to stay that way forever. In fact, God intended eggs to hatch and caterpillars to wrap themselves up in chrysalises and butterflies need to fly. Each stage has a purpose and each stage has to fulfill its purpose or it's not doing its job. Eggs can't stay eggs forever. Caterpillars can't stay caterpillars forever. And, and, I, and I, the, the Spirit of God just spoke to me and he does this to me when you're raising kids. I know many of you can identify even some of the silliest things become so significant to you. But as believers in Jesus, I believe that we go through life cycles. And you can keep that picture up there for just a few minutes. Because I think often, as brand new believers, we can't keep our mouth shut about Jesus. We can't keep our mouth shut about our church. You gotta come, you gotta come to my church, we gotta sit in the front row. I mean, I've never felt anything like it. Like this, it's amazing. It's gonna be so great. We, we have these experiences with the Holy Spirit and all we can do is walk around and tell each other about it. We tell everyone our story. I used to be like this, but now I'm like this. Things are so different for me now. We pray for others. We intentionally invite people to places. We take big risks for God. We, we don't know much, but we know we're, we're lost and now we're found. In fact, we're probably telling people pretty poor, glittery theology, but we don't care. I mean, we're just telling them because this happened to me and I'm so excited about it. And then oftentimes we, we maybe follow Jesus for a little bit longer and uh, we face maybe some, some struggles, some hiccups, some trips along the path. The scripture from Luke 21 kind of comes into being. We realize that it's not always perfect and, and we can't make sense of it. And we thought that we were doing everything right, but, but all of a sudden there's a cancer diagnosis or, or my, my girlfriend broke up with me and I really thought that, that we were on the right path and, and we're trying to figure things out about who Jesus is. And, and so we start sort of slowing down our conversations about Jesus, and, and maybe we hide out a little because we can't explain all there is to explain. And someone might ask me a question I don't know, and that would make me feel stupid, and therefore I will say nothing. And we, and we kind of begin to uh, face disappointments, and it clouds our witnessing drive. Maybe we asked someone to come, and they said no, and, and that just, just bruised us a little bit, that rejection, and so we, we stop asking. And then we, we keep walking on our our faith journey, and we get Christian friends, and we get involved in church and Bible study and events, and it's awesome, and these people encourage us, and they build us up, and, and, and we love it because we're just in the safety net. We can just say the word dispensationalism, and everyone goes, ah, you know? We just have these moments, like, they're on my level. These people are on my level. I could talk about it. And we, we hide out, and we find commonalities, and it's just easier to stay in these circles, and then sometimes after following Christ for several years, maybe decades, 
I know many of you have been coming to this church for 40 years. I can't imagine how long you've been following Jesus. Could be 20 years more than that. But sometimes we gain this depth and this knowledge of who God is and we, we have real life experiences and we can teach scripture and we can run entire ministries with our eyes closed. But ironically, we finally know maybe what we're talking about, but we never make a concerted effort to tell anyone anymore. Because maybe we don't know anyone that doesn't come to church here. Or maybe we don't have anyone in our family that, that isn't a believer. Or maybe we just, that's kind of messy, and we don't want to walk into that because there's just a lot of, you know, that, that's, that's kind of like where I used to be. I don't want to deal with the mess of that situation. And we get so lost in our growth and our depth that we forget That there are thousands of people in just this city we live and work alone that have no idea the hope that Jesus offers. And the life cycle of our faith, it stunts, it, it stops. The chrysalis never turns into the butterfly, the the egg never hatches. Every stage is significant, but you are never meant to stay that way forever. After you come into a relationship with Jesus, and especially if you have walked for miles and years with him, you are appointed to the rescue. That's the name of our series, the rescue of his people. And if you haven't had a conversation about your faith in a long time, if you haven't invited someone to hear the truth of the gospel in a while, if you have not honestly sat and asked the Lord who you can bring to the summer cookout in the next few weeks, If you haven't prayed and even weeped on your knees lately for someone that needs the grace and the hope and the love of Christ, then you have stopped your cycle short. Your growth has stunted because there is no graduation from providing the rescue. There is not an amount of of Bible knowledge you get and then you don't have to share it anymore. There isn't an amount of understanding of the Holy Spirit that you get that that then you just don't have to tell anybody anymore. There is no graduation from providing the rescue. And as I was preparing this message this week, I got to sort of this moment in my my, uh, writing and and I, I just, I couldn't even type anymore. I just had to stop. Because I felt such a moment of repentance Just repentance in my own life. Repentance as a, as a church. Jesus, forgive us just for forgetting. Just for forgetting that what you've given us, people need. That if people could understand the depth and the, the breadth of how you love them, God, what that could do for broken and hurting people in this city and in this nation and in this world and on every college campus and in every place that, that what if they all knew all I'm doing is, is eating for myself and understanding more and getting more knowledge, and that's lovely. But Jesus is saying that is, that is only part of it. And I just prayed, God, we don't want to be the same anymore. 
I don't know what it's going to take. But do something in our hearts because we want to join in the rescue. We want to join in the search. We want to do what it takes to help other people. We don't want to come to church and hope they sing our favorite song and pray that she's funny. (laughs) We don't want that anymore. We want to show the world that it is the gospel of good news and hope. And maybe it's hard for you to share the gospel. Maybe even after all these years that you've followed Jesus, maybe you're rusty, maybe you're nervous, maybe you're stubborn. (laughs) Maybe it's a struggle to make time to do it. And I felt the Spirit of God asking us today, will you let your struggle tell God's story? Will you let your nervousness, your rustiness, your stubbornness, your lack of time tell God's story? Because I believe that the availability of of us to God is really all we need. And so I want to look in Acts 26 at this particular rescue story. And just to give you some context, about two years earlier, uh, when this scripture was written, Paul had been arrested on false charges in Jerusalem. And at the time that he got to give this testimony, uh, he got arrested And he got to go in front of the whole Jewish Sanhedrin. And he got to tell them all why he was there and what Jesus did for him. And so just like in Luke 21, Jesus said, they will arrest you and this will be a time for testimony. He he says things, he makes promises that happen. And so there was this plot against Paul's life and he was moved to the coast And uh, they were trying to to save him, and he was able to, once he got to the coast, give his testimony to a Roman governor named Felix. So after two years in prison in in, uh, Caesarea, the new Roman governor Festus puts Paul before King Agrippa so they can hear what he has to say. I can just imagine that moment where Festus says, that's it. You get to go to King Agrippa. Tell him your crazy stories. And Paul's going, yes. Another government official. How many more opportunities, God, will you give me? I'll stay in prison as long as it takes if I get to tell these men of influence the, 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 the redemption that you offer. And so the entire Jewish legal council, which is the Sanhedrin, and three of the highest political officials in Palestine, Felix, Festus, and Agrippa, all hear the gospel because Paul was arrested and imprisoned on false charges. God has gospel purposes in all of the setbacks of our lives. God has gospel purposes in all of the setbacks of our lives. So I have a question for you today. Is there anyone in this room who is in the midst of a two-year setback? Is there anyone in this room who would say, you know, I am on a detour that I had not planned This was not where I thought I would be at 27. This is not where I thought I would be at close to 40. Maybe Mr. Wonderful hasn't knocked on your door yet. Where is he anyway? (laughs) Maybe you didn't get pregnant when you planned. Maybe there's a conflict in your family that has you troubled, perplexed, brokenhearted. Maybe there's something coming in your future that You just cannot see around. It feels like a mountain, and you don't know how you will go over it. 
You don't know how to go around it. And it seems impossible to go through. God has a gospel purpose in your setback. God has your detour all planned out. He has plans for your detour. And he hasn't forgotten you. In fact, Jesus said, the detour is here, the setback is here, and this will be a time for testimony. This will be a time that you will be able to say, God is so good to me. God got me out of this impossible situation. I I stood there and had no idea what I was going to do, and then God did this. And this setback, this detour, will be the exact thing, the exact way, that how you're going to share with someone how deeply loved they are by the God of the universe. The truth allows for so much encouragement to seep into your detour. You're right, it might not look good for you. But God looks down and he does not see you on a setback. He sees his gospel purpose through his eyes, and he is working things together so that you have an opportunity to share the greatest message of all time, the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. So get up in the morning and and pray and and make your plan for the day. Plans are good. It took Joel about 10 years to convince me that having a plan is good for a day. I'm kind of a fly-by-the-seat-of-the-pants kind of person. We have a plan sometimes. The plan can be changed but we have it. But then pray again and say, Lord, I know that ultimately I do not control this day. What will happen to my car? Who will call me at work? Who I will see at lunch? And a hundred other unexpected details. But would you govern my day so that all of its unplanned detours are spiritually valuable? Would you make every interruption spiritually valuable? Would you make everything that I don't plan spiritually valuable so that I can stop and see what you're doing and have an opportunity to bear testimony? You know, it's been said that 80% of Jesus' ministry was interruption. It was people who came up to him and needed something. Some of you type A personalities, that would drive you bananas. Take a ticket, make an appointment, texted into my secretary. (laughs) But you know what? Jesus was just ready. He just lived ready. He was prepared for anything, any interruption, any detour. Jesus was just prepared. And so Paul is standing here in Acts 26 before King Agrippa uh, by God's divine appointment. And, And he um, is, is having this moment where he's about to be able to share with him the message of Jesus, and he, he stands before this king. And he begins to tell a story in Acts 26, and I want to bring us to verse 16. And he gets to this part in the story where he's meeting, uh, where he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, and he's, so he's recounting what Jesus said to him. But I believe that Jesus is saying this to us today as well. And it says this, now get up, And stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have been and will see of me. And I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. 
And Paul recounts that Jesus says to him, I have come to appoint you as a servant and a witness. I have come to to tell you you're part of the rescue team. That you're part of my plan for for the, the salvation of the world. That you are part of my plan to spread the hope of who I am. He says, I am appointing you. And Christ says, don't just wait for people to come, but go and tell them. He uses the verb sending, I'm sending you. Which implies that Paul can't just sit around and like hope they ask him questions. I'll just put like a Bible verse up on my, on my social media and like then if anyone really needs to know who Jesus is, they'll just text me and ask me and I'll tell them. Jesus would say, bad plan, Paul. <laughs> Our mission as a church, as the church of Jesus, cannot be come and see. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. Because we have lived in this mentality for so long, it's going to be so hard to break. Are you ready? The mission of the church can't be, hey, we're doing this. Come and see. It can't be. That's not what Jesus asks us to do. He sends us. So it can't be, we'll just turn the lights on, we'll put the open sign up, and we hope everybody comes. That is not what Jesus even, it's a bad idea. And also, it's not what Jesus said. What he says is, we are sent and we must go and tell the mission. We have to go and tell. And what is Jesus saying we go and tell them? What's going to happen? Verse 18 says, to open eyes. Christ wants to give spiritual sight. He wants people to see the world the way he does. He wants people to see spiritually what's happening, not just in the natural, but in the supernatural. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, we see a verse that goes, uh, cross-references this. It says, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, that was when he was creating uh, the earth in Genesis, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And so what he's saying is that God can open the eyes of the spiritual blind. And so when Acts 26, 18 says that, Christ sends Paul to open the eyes of the spiritually blind. It means that as Christians, we are partners with the Holy Spirit in opening the eyes of the blind. That the the plan that God created was that we would be able to help people understand spiritually what was happening. And so this is such a privilege and such a responsibility. In fact, it's equal privilege and equal responsibility. We have to pray for God to open the eyes of the blind. We have to pray that God would break every chain. And we have to speak words of truth and scripture about who Jesus is so that people's eyes are opened. And then when they're opened, they know what to believe. Now, I think what's really important about this point is that when it comes to sharing the gospel with others, we have to be careful that we do our part and God does his part. That we do our part and God does his part. We, we can't take on more human responsibility in the process. We can't uh, feel like we're failures if people, we share the gospel and people don't come to Christ. It is not about us. It's not about us getting marks uh, and, and us you know, getting clout for being able to do that. But I think where we actually go wrong is not on that side. The more urgent part is we take on less responsibility is that we often say, well, if God, you know, if they want to hear God, they will. I mean, 
I just don't. Why should I feel awkward? Why should I say anything? I'll just sit on my cubicle and hum Amazing Grace. It'll bring them all in. And, and we have this thing where we sort of give ourselves an out. Well, God's doing it. So if God has to do it, then I can't do it. But Jesus is saying that I have given you, I have appointed you as partners with the Holy Spirit to bring forth spiritual sight. And so if he is asking us to partner with him, then his expectation is for us to take on that responsibility. That that is part of the deal. That's part of the gig. That's the thing you sign up for when you say, I will be a disciple of Jesus. The band's going to come on up. Um, But let me finish with this. I love that we are part of the plan. That part of the plan for people to understand who Jesus is, is us. Smelly old you. That, That is who God wants to use. And therefore, we can believe that our struggle is part of the plan. That God is using it to bear testimony that God is using it as an opportunity for us to scream from the rooftops how, how God is good and God is sovereign and he is powerful and gracious and loving and kind and slow to anger and rich in mercy and how he chooses the least likely and how he anoints the imperfect and how he gives the speechless something to say and the struggling something to give. Does anyone have a story like that? No? Does anyone have a story like that? That God is using you even though you're broken and hurting and imperfect and your life isn't all together. And if you have a story like that, you can't keep that inside you. Will you let your struggle tell God's story? Would you stand? going to take a few minutes and we're going to sing this song again because it just declares who God is. doesn't have anything to do with you. doesn't have anything to do with the thing that you're battling today. doesn't have anything to do with the way that you feel inadequate. doesn't have anything to do with how you misfired this week. But it declares that God is the Lion of Judah, that he's roaring with power, that he's fighting our battles. And I want to challenge each of us personally today from Acts 26, 16 through 8, where it says, get up, stand on your feet. I've appointed you as a servant. I've appointed you as a witness so that what you have seen will will be seen of me. And I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. And I am sending you to them. Open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And if you want God to use your struggle to tell his story, I just wanna invite you to come forward this morning. It's just a moment of saying, God, I'm not perfect, but I want you to use me. I wanna fulfill the things that you're asking me to do. So would you come? We're just gonna declare this victory, this song together. It says, who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. 
not one person, not one struggle, not one relationship that's broken, not one um, situation that we feel like we can't live, live up to, not one insecurity, not one inadequacy. But God, we want you to use us. We're declaring, Father God, even now that you are fighting our battles, that you're the Lion of Judah, that God, you are worthy of all of our praise, Father, that you alone are the one who will draw people to you, God, but we take the responsibility of partnering with the Holy Spirit so, Father, you can use us. Lord, we declare that you are holy and you are good, that it has nothing to do with our behavior or our inadequacies, Father, but it has everything to do with the fact that you are sovereign and you're kind to us and you are rich in mercy and you are, you are so, so good to us. And so, God, we just come today and we declare to you, Father God, that, that we will join with you in whatever you're doing. God, we put all of our agenda aside and all of our control aside, Lord. Have every part of our day interrupt us, Lord, so that we can be used by you. Father, would you use our struggles to tell your story? God, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Sing our God. And our God is the lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord? 